So I count down three, two, one for a high. Yeah. Yeah, do Ready? it. Hi. Hi there. Good evening or morning. Or afternoon. <laughs> or afternoon. Whenever you're listening to or this. Or night. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone switches off. <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Hi, Can't go for it, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone. Oh, <laughs> you're the one that's going to edit all of this. <laughs> no, no, future Jordan has Assume to. It. Yeah, I don't. Please, can I do okay, it? Okay, do it. No, I know you're going to. You're going to interrupt. I can just tell. Hi everyone. Welcome back to episode three of At the Table. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Jonah and the whale, continuing on our Sunday school classics. We hope you enjoyed the previous episodes and I look forward to delving into the story of Jonah a bit more. So I have, as usual, three other people with me here today. I have Joe. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I can't (laughs) Oh, I'm banished to the corner. And Lucy. Hiya. And John. Hello. And I'm Beth. I feel like I should explain, I've been banished to the corner for making Beth laugh when she's trying to do an introduction. Yeah. You get the very, you guys as listeners get the very nice edited version, but what you don't see is the four minutes prior to which I did that intro five times because Joe was making me laugh so much. Um, And he put his cuff on the table very loudly and it echoed. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. So, have you all been? Have you had a good week? How are you feeling? Any highlights? Anything you want to just share with the group? Round the table? At the table. Round at the table. We've had a nice few days off work and just um, chilling and enjoying being at home. And the weather's been okay. And you celebrated your first wedding anniversary. Actually, we did. Congratulations. Thanks gonna, for the world's smallest round of applause. We're going to add a really big effect in there, like, like a big stadium, stadium cheer. Like, yeah! 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 It has been an achievement. Well done, us. Should we do it again? Well done, us. Also, this is the anniversary of our friendship. Is it? Around this time. Yeah. It's a flame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we went years. on that residential weekend to... Of Her Majesty's years ago. Her <laughs> Majesty's years. <laughs> so lots to celebrate. We've got the anniversary, your wedding anniversary, and our friendship. And our friendiversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's your week been? Yeah, how's our week been, Beth? We've also, we came back from our mini break, so... Yeah, we've had a few nice few days off as well. Yeah. So it's good to be back. Good to be yeah. back with you guys. Missed you. It's been a long time since we last recorded, so... It has. It's nice to be back at the table. So, as I said earlier, we are going to be talking and discussing the story of Jonah from the book of Jonah. And I think... I always forget there is a book of Jonah. Yeah, I always feel like it's going to be in some other book. No, he's got his whole own book. God, lucky guy. (laughs) We're going to be talking through the whole book, but that's not as long as it sounds. It's just four chapters. So we're going to start with chapter one and then have a discussion afterwards and so on. This is chapter one, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jonah flees the presence of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, 
for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord held a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us, that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So, first thing I want to say, tempestuous. What yeah. a great word. Lovely. What a great word. Yeah, great word. Much um, easier to say than Tashish four ha- times in the same sentence. I was going to say, how many times do <laughs> I need to say that Tashish is the, the place he's... We what? know where he's going. <laughs> I'm going to call my firstborn tempestuous. <laughs> tempestuous Tashish. <laughs> a lot Fair happens enough. in that first chapter though doesn't yeah. it when you think about it it goes from like getting called by god to running away to almost dying in a tempest and then mm. boom and it's quite a simple request really so it's not like he's like right i've got this 50 year plan for you first you're gonna have a baby you weren't expecting and mm. <laughs> like it's not as big a plan as a lot of other people's but for jonah it was obviously still worthy of running away mm. I think it's interesting, like, I don't know if you have listened to the last couple of episodes, you probably would have heard that Jonah is my favourite book of the Bible, but also Lucy's, so I'm um, quite excited about sharing this. But How excited? Scale of 1 to 10? Probably an 8, 9. <laughs> That's very exciting. Because I'm excited to, to understand your thought process on, on this book. But one thing I learned from doing a little bit of like looking up and stuff about it, the, the distance between if he'd listened to God and gone to Nineveh compared to him running away and going to Tarshish. Oh, yeah. So going to Nineveh was only like, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like a lot less miles than him going to Tarshish. Yeah. So like he took a longer journey to run away from God than he did. <laughs> so it's almost like he went to great effort to be lazy. Yeah. 
Like he really did not want to do it. <laughs> like Why'd you? Like by the time he's gone to Tashish, he could have just gone to Nineveh and been back for tea. Yeah. Yeah. For tea. <laughs> yeah. But why do you think he went then? Why did he run away from it? Why was he scared to do it? Because I'm just trying know. to put myself in his shoes. I guess you're right, Lucy, that it's a simple task. But as well, if someone said, arise, go to Coventry and call out against it. Nothing against Coventry. <laughs> and call out against it for that evil has come up before me. I didn't like... In some ways, that's like a very vague thing and like very like almost like you're taking on all these people at once. And yeah. I guess that could be quite scary too. So yeah. maybe I, I think we can like infer from it that he was obviously so scared of this task that he went on this mad journey to try and escape it. Mm. Is he scared of the um, prophetic nature in which he was being called to do this thing is he is that what he's running away from is because it can be prophecy and prophetic images or visions or dreams or hearing the voice of god can be very overwhelming and there's a lot to decipher whether it is of god or whether it's of things of the earth or whether it's the work of the enemy so that can be quite daunting is it quite a challenge to go out and call evil like i don't know if someone said to you Joe, Lucy, go go to Canterbury and call out all the evil that takes place there. Like, stand in the street and call out against all the evil things that are happening. That's quite a strange thing. It's not only is it, well, it isn't strange, but like, that's quite a bold thing to do, to stand there and call everything out. You'd get a lot of hate back at you, wouldn't you? It would take yeah. a lot. Also, I'd want to feel like I was pretty... Not evil first. Yes, yeah. yeah. I should probably clarify. I wasn't saying like, oh, this is an easy thing to do. Why well, no. can't I just no. do it? No, I just yeah. mean relative to some of the other stories we see in the Bible mm. where people do the maddest things with no question, this seems relatively yeah. straightforward. And like he didn't even like entertain the idea of at least going there and then working mm. out the next step. He was just like, nope. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. does that make him more of a coward than other people who have done great things or... You know, what does that mean for Jonah as a person? Mm. That's what I find interesting. Yeah. Mm. I just find the whole thing really interesting. Like, the whole... He falls asleep in the bow of the ship. And then he's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, this storm's probably because of me. Mm-hmm. Like, how the My heck bad. have you fallen asleep if you're that tormented by it almost? Yeah. I really like the bit in this translation where the captain comes and says... What do you mean, you sleeper? That's such a weird <laughs> yeah. choice of words. It's like, wake up, oh sleeper! <laughs> like he's so he's so shocked about uh, that. He just goes, "What do you mean?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you can imagine him standing in the doorway, like, "What do you say? What? Why are you sleep, man?" Um, but like the whole that whole bit just is I find really interesting that they're like, "Pray to your god. I'll pray to my god. You pray to your god." And I always find it really. I always find it really funny that he says, um, that the line says that they knew he was running away because he told them. It's it's like, <laughs> that's just casual thing. Like, he's just got on the ship. Hi, guys, can I just hit, you know, hit your ride? I'm running away from God. You know, like, imagine if we got a taxi and said, oh, yeah, can you just take us here? I'm just running away from the call Yeah, I've of just God. stolen yeah. the TV from Curry's. So uh, if you don't mind <laughs> just... Can you, yeah, like doing that on the Isle of Wight ferry or something, everyone's going to be like, don't get her. Just go and sit down. down. It's just a really funny thing for him to say to them. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm on here because I'm running away from God. <laughs> Drawing attention to it. Yeah. Don't mind very... me. <laughs> You're not gonna believe the day I've had. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also very blasé the way it says it. Verse ten. It says, 
for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So that's very, like, <laughs> flippant, like... We're not going to explain how he told them, just he told them, that's fine. But at the start of the chapter, we will tell you that he paid his fees for the boat. He bought a ticket. <laughs> he wasn't a stowaway. Like, yeah. Is that really more important than how he explained to them that he was running away from God? Mm. I like the mystery of the first half. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Because he told them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Not that scary. But I just love how they were like, afterwards, they knew he was fleeing from God, so they're like, this is your fault. We're chucking you overboard. Yeah, like, how did he know that was the thing to do? Like, imagine if he was wrong, and then he was like, actually, guys, can I come back up? <laughs> oh, can I get a refund? <laughs> yeah, a bit wet now. <laughs> Please help me out. Yeah, the whole thing is just... I just find the whole thing a really interesting story. Um, like even the last bit where it's like, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah... <laughs> Like, I have been appointed by the Lord to eat yeah, you. Yeah, like, how does he do that? Do you, does he get, like, a letter or... <laughs> Ceremony. Like, yeah, gets a certificate for the post. I now certify you. Yeah, yeah like, you've passed your B-Tech in swallowing men. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, I just find it really interesting. But, big point, it's not Jonah and the whale. No, it's not. Jonah and the Well, the as I hinted at in the fish. last episode. Exactly. And by hinted, I mean said. Again, another thing that you learn in Sunday school is Jonah and the whale. What's mm-hmm. the biggest fish we know? It's a whale. Technically, it's a mammal. Is it a mammal? Yeah. I'll just follow a moment so I sound like a right idiot then. Look. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest mammal. It's, it's not a mammal, Jules. How? Oh, right, uh, David Attenborough. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I do like that he knew that he was the reason for the storm and he, he was able to just end it like that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's something interesting there about like. When you have that niggling feeling that you're the cause of something or that there's something wrong in your life and you just take action on it. and mm. But imagine being the cause of that. Imagine feeling that. Like feeling, this is all because of me. Mm. Like this storm is all because of me. These guys could lose their lives because of yeah. me. Well, it's, a, it's, a beautif- well, it's a beautiful <clears throat> and purposeful illustration for sin. Yeah. Mm. Isn't it? You know, like the storm is the sin and it's like... We have to really think about sometimes, don't we? Like when we're going through a storm, how we behave in it and what we do to try and rectify it. Where do we go? He was running away, so the storm only increased. Things only got worse. When we turn towards God, that's when things Mm. can be... Well, it's like the things that go wrong in our lives, how much do we take responsibility for them? For example, if if you know that you have a group of friends that you gossip with and you like have all those kind of bad conversations with them and you kind of know that's wrong and you're like, you know, you talk to God about it and you're like, oh, please remove the situation from my life. I feel like the Jonah answer to that would be to go, well, I just won't hang out with those people or mm. I won't have those conversations anymore. I feel like maybe sometimes we need to be like, I'm just going to remove myself from that situation if that's a problem. Yeah. Oh, good old Jonah. Good old Jonah. Good old Jonah. What a good example this man is. But like you said earlier, John, I feel like there's a lot going on in this first chapter. Mm. Like, he's spoken to by God, and then he gets on this boat to run away, then there's a storm, then he jumps out the boat, and then he's swallowed by a fish. Yeah. Like, that's quite a busy day. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, is it within one day, or is it yeah. over a period of so many days? So, like, well, over Christmas last year, in 20, uh, 20, no, let's say 2017, in 2019... <laughs> We looked at the journey of like the nativity and how long it took 
for journeys and stuff like that. And I wonder if it's similar like this, where it's all just shoved into one chapter, but it's like, well, we know, like I say, the, the journey from where he was to Nineveh is a shorter distance than, mm. than, do you see what I mean? So maybe it was like so many months he was at sea or many days he was at sea or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, even from hearing God speak to him, Mm, it might be it might have been like tossing and turning over that for months or years. Maybe he was like fifteen when he got called to do that, and then yeah. he was like thirty when he yeah. But it's just a it's a action packed chapter. Mm. And don't the um the other people on the boat do the most human thing? Something wrong happens, and they're like trying to find a person to blame it on. Yeah, and. The questions that they ask, they say, what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Like, that's what they're interested in. Where have you come from? Who are you? Because they want someone to blame for this great problem that's just come upon them. Mm. And, I mean, obviously it does happen to be Jonah's fault that it's happened. But all these, like, accusatory questions, it's just Mm. exactly what we still see now. Like, we have problems in our own country. And people would try and find someone to blame it on. Mm. And at the moment, the scapegoat is migrants, illegal or otherwise. People just need someone else to blame. We've got unemployment, we've got lack of housing, we've got economic problems. And a lot of them are a much bigger issue than just some people arriving on boats from Calais. But Mm. people just need someone to blame and they turn against people who aren't of their own what do they call it, their own country, of their own people. Mm. What people are you? Why have you come here to bring us your hardships? We don't need your hardships. Literally cast them overboard Mm. to calm the seas. And I feel like we see a lot of that at the moment. And it's really, like, upsetting to see that it's it's not a new phenomenon. Mm. And all these things, I see massive parallels with the Easter story. So, like, when they're asking all these questions, I see these, like, you know, when they were like, crucify him, crucify him, like, mm. his trial. Like, I see, I get images of that in this. And all those questions, like, the blame's going to him. You know, they're not even considering that the fault could be theirs. They're just like, oh, because you said that you were running away from God, it is your fault. Like, mm. it's all down to you. And they're like that. And then I also see, you know, the act of what Jonah did in saying, throw me overboard, taking all that guilt... He's like, this is because of me, this is happening. Taking that and throwing himself, that is that similar to like what obviously what Jesus did, you know, in taking the guilt from us and yeah. saying, all the storms in the life, all the sin that ca- you you carry that come into your lives. Because a storm appears in a physical sense here, but it can be a an emotional storm, it can be a you know, a mind storm, it can be anything, you know, in our actual lives now. Mm. And Jonas, you know, says, I'm gonna take that guilt. I, I it's my fault that this is happening um, and I'll throw myself overboard to stop that. Well, that's what Jesus did for us. He said, I'm going to take all those storms. I'm going to take that sin. Mm. I'm going to carry that guilt, the shame, the things that you carry. I'm going to take that away from you. So there's yeah. huge parallels in this already of the story. I wonder but, if you thought he'd survive as well. Yeah. Mm. I was just going to say, like, on the side of what Lucy was saying about it's so human, there's a part where it says... Never, nevertheless, the ma- the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. So it's almost like they tried really hard for Jonah, even though they knew that he was the problem. 
they still wanted to help him and help themselves at the same time. But then it's like a complete change of like, um, didn't work. So therefore they called out to God saying, let us not perish for this man's life and then chuck him overboard. So it's mm. almost like you get every aspect of, of the life of man, like you, the kindness of man, the, the disregard of other people, the, the hatred for other people, almost the worry for your own safety, not really thinking of anyone else. And, yeah. Mm. Are we done on part one? Yeah. Should we uh, read chapter two? Who's reading chapter two? I will read chapter two. Thanks, Joe. You're a legend. Thank you. Okay, chapter two. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Nice. Thank Chunder. You. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird to see the word vomit, vomited in the Bible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way it's like, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited him out. What do you think he said? Was he like, vomit? Yeah. I'm going to make you um, gag. <laughs> I, uh... Free Willy! <laughs> I'm just doing all Where? the fish reference. <laughs> <laughs> I love this prayer. Yeah? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I think it's the beginning of it. I think for me, where it's like I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Yeah. Like even out of the belly of a fish, I cried and you heard my voice. And um, I think the whole thing of it just, yeah, it's quite powerful for me. Yeah. Like, you know, like Joan is saying here that, you know, he was in, well, he was in the storm. He was in a storm. He was in the waves. And you can't, you can imagine the waves being these, you know, with it being a temp, what was it called? tempestuous tempestuous storm so like the you know like the the waves would have been hench yeah <laughs> and you can imagine him trying bobbing up and down in this water and kind of being in that kind of storm but even in the in a uh what's the word i'm trying to think of a storm that's not physical storm but like a a storm that we journey through in life mm. you can imagine it being something similar like for example if we lost our job, that's a storm that we're going through. And like we would we would call out to God in that, like, why am I going through this or why is this happening to me? And even though it may not feel like it, he answers prayer mm. and he answers in his way. And I feel like this is a very honest prayer. Um and it's always been a really powerful few words for me, like where it says like the water's closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, weeds wrapped around my head. I mean, it sounds really, it it 
it sounds really graphic and it's really dark, but at the same time, it's like, yet yeah, you brought up my life from the pit and you saved my life. God is what it's saying, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just a really powerful few words. I find the tense of the prayer quite confusing mm. because it's written in the past tense, but it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of fish, saying, so you'd think it would write it at the way he said it. But then it's all in the past tense. I called out to the Lord out of mm. my distress. He answered me. So then that made me think that this, these are all things that had happened before in his life. He answered me out of the belly of Shoal, I cried. So is that an, like another fish? Mm. <laughs> but then I guess it's just a weird way of writing. It's just a weird way of writing his current prayer. Is that what you think it is? Yeah. You think that is what he said at I the think time? It is. I think it's how he... He's probably... I mean, three days in the, in the belly of a fish sounds a long time to me. Oh, sounds like forever. Can you imagine, especially when you don't know it's three days? Yeah. yeah. You, you don't know how long you've been there. In fact, to be honest, you probably think as soon as you disappear inside the mouth of a fish, you're dead. Yeah. And it would just be dark. It would just yeah. be a dark pit, yeah. like he says in the prayer, where it's like, yet you brought up my life from the pit. Like yeah. it's, it would be like a dark pit, wouldn't it? Like almost like you're falling down a well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd totally agree, Lucy. It's weird how it's worded. It's, but I think it's almost like he knows that the fish saved him. Yeah. So God sent the fish mm. to save him, mm. almost, and to make him think and gave him the space and the time to think Yeah. about what what he's gone through and the calling that God's put upon his life. It's given him a, a space to, to sit and actually think about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if... If I'm like Jonah, which I would say I am sometimes, it can be so easy to get caught up with what life is throwing at you. You kind of go, oh, I haven't got time for that. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Mm-hmm. And actually, him being chucked into the sea, then being technically saved by a big fish from the waves, he has that moment where he can say, actually, God, I've called out to you and you've you've saved me out of my distress and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how I kind of perceive it. Yeah, I think the um, ESV that we were reading before was confusing me, the, the wording, but in the message it's, it makes more sense to me. It says, he prayed, in trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. He answered me, from the belly of the grave I cried, help. So that makes me think more that he's, yeah, saying thank you for the fish, mm. basically. Yeah. <laughs> because the way that ESV was worded made it sound like he was thankful for being saved from the fish after he'd been saved, but he hadn't been saved mm. yet. So I was like, why is he praying in the past tense or had it just been written down in the past tense like we've been saying before it's all about who writes it and when Mm. they wrote it and all these things that come into it yeah I like the honesty of it Mm. I don't know it feels quite raw yeah I was going to say the rawness of it Mm. it's just like what's coming to him Mm. in a way and he's not like hiding his emotions or no and I think and we'll we'll get to it so it's a bit of a spoiler alert but the way Jonas speaks through the whole of the book of Jonah is very much for me helps with my mental health Mm. because actually he says it how he feels. So he says stuff like, you know, the water closed in over me to take my life. So it's like, you know, which is true. Sometimes life comes and it feels like you, you know, it's like the last, (laughs) last ditch attempt kind of thing. Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't want to spoil too much because we'll read about it more in the other two chapters. I also think um, that it speaks, the way it's done is 
very beautiful, beautifully written. It's almost like itself in a, is a storm, which is very much like life, which is very much like how things happen, you know. Nothing is ever linear. We don't just kind of go on this flat line. Sometimes we can have a good week, a bad week, good like a storm. It ebbs and it flows it up and down, isn't it? And I think that's what this kind of shows. I like how at the start of this prayer, it's almost like God and Jonah were at loggerheads. It was like they were so distant from each other. They were, it was, he was, God was angry with him. You know, he, there was a storm created. And then by the end of it, there's this like restoration and there's this longing for him. And because this relationship has been repaired, it's, um, there's this ending where he's like thrown out and he's like given this like, new chance like a rebirth it's almost like you know how baptisms and the start cleansing again it's almost like now's your chance like you've had that you've had that pit you've had that depth you've had that moment in the darkness i'm now going to throw you out onto the land and we'll kind of see what happens there should we uh move on to chapter three chapter three sounds great to me so chapter three jonah goes to nineveh then the word of the lord came to jonah the second time saying arise go to nineveh that great city and call out against it that the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly was an exceedingly great city, three days in journey in breadth. Jonah began to the new city going a day's journey and he called out, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The people of Nineveh repent. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in a sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation, published throughout Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with a sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and repent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of that disaster he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Wow. This feels like a great episode of EastEnders, guys. I'll tell you what, it would make a good film. Why no one's thought about making a film about Jonah, I do not know. I can picture all the like sea stuff, the ships, like oh, tossing waves. Some nice, CGI would be incredible. Yeah, like some nice dark I mean, blue do, waves. They can do CGI animals now, like Lion King was amazing. Mate, get Steven Spielberg on it. Yeah. He'd do a fantastic job with us. I mean, if we can fake the moon landings, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh. They were real. Or were they? Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's quite, a, again, a full-on chapter. There seems to be a lot in these chapters, it, I feel. I feel like this jumps so much. It just goes like, bing, bing. There's, like, so much happening. There's so much happening. Yeah. Can you imagine people doing that now? Like, hearing from one person that God's, like, gonna, what did you say, smash the city or whatever, and then they're like... Quick, put on some sacks and sit in the dirt. <laughs> That'll fix everything. Could you imagine doing that in like, Faversham? Like it... <laughs> but we like do the... have people like that, don't we? We have, like, you go to a big city centre, especially on, like, a weekend, and there's usually yeah, someone but... there, like, shouting and going, you must repent, like... That's mm. what I mean. So imagine yeah. if the whole city was then, like, right, okay. find me some potato sacks, I'm going to put them on, yeah. and sit in some ash. Yeah. And then, like, the actual 
well, it's the king does it. Then get Gazette going. Imagine right. seeing like the prime minister do that. Would we all be like, yeah, that's what we should do too? Like, no, there's no like social right, coherence yeah. like that anymore. We're not all. Would it make a difference if it was the pope or Susan in Boyle. our church? In our church, <laughs> in our church, would it make a difference if we felt like it was the general, so the man who is the spearhead, image head of the Salvation Army, if he said, I've received this prophecy from God that the Salvation Army, we all need to fast tonight and we all need to be in our sackcloths and, and get the ashes. I think people of the army would do it. I, I feel don't. like it would. Mm. I don't I think, think it, it would. would. Do you not? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would. I think we're getting sectioned. I think they'll think, <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> yeah, I think no, I think it would make some difference. I think it depends who the person is as to whether we listen. I think sometimes if you align yourself with that person and you think, yes, they believe the same thing as me or they subscribe to the same values as me, that can make a difference as to whether you listen to it, Mm -hmm. especially if there's someone who's usually careful about what they say and you don't suspect them of having other motives. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, like Lucy said, this kind of social cohesion makes a difference and Mm -hmm. the fact that people in these times were willing to listen to their leader if they said something. I think that makes a difference. But it's not something I can really imagine in happening now on the same scale. Mm. I think there'll always be people who say, mm, I don't agree with that and kind of go against it. And it's quite a... Tr- I think we live in a bit of a tribal society these yeah. days. And there's often something cool about standing against something as much as standing for it. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what you mean. Also, me saying about like our leaders, whatever, is irrelevant because Jonah wasn't a leader in Nineveh. He was. He yeah. went there. He was a stranger to Nineveh. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's very different. So um, oh, I was sorry. I was only going to say, again, timings shove a lot in there, don't they? In those five verses, and I know it says, "Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown." Now, was it on the 39th day that everyone was like, oh, okay, it's getting a bit close? <laughs> or was it within, like, the first, like, couple of hours? Or did he have to, like, really, like keep going and preaching and preaching and preaching? Mm-hmm. And actually, like you said, Joe, did a, everybody do it? Or were there people that actually still didn't go, I don't, don't, don't know this man, so I'm not going to mm. listen to him? Another timing thing. Like, it's just, someone's just shoved it all in a few verses. But yeah. actually, it's probably a considerable amount of time that he's spent kind of doing it. Hmm. I I'd c- say someone. Who wrote this? Was it Jonah? I think so, Beth. Do you know? I think I, I was just looking Jonah. that up, actually. Because um, it's like the Lord came to Jonah. So it's like, why would you... It's almost like, do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. Where he's like, Terry love yoghurt. It's like, <laughs> it's like, does Jonah kind of go, hmm, the word of the Lord came to Jonah? <laughs> <laughs> um... But could... no one in the Bible says me, do they? They never say, no. and we no, do no, this. And... Speak. God yeah. does. Um, oh. No. <laughs> um, I did notice a parallel between this story and Jesus' arrival on earth. Mm. Um, I think someone just said about Jonah being a bit of an underdog and not a leader, a political or religious leader, and people listened mm. to him. It just reminded me of how Jesus came to earth as this... Um, baby in a stable or wherever it was that he was born in that kind of lowly environment and yet people listened to him um certainly at the height of his kind of popularity whole 
crowds of people listening to him and it reminded me of that a little bit yeah and like we've said in previous episodes I'll, I keep saying it you'll probably get bored of me saying it but it's the the parallels of Jesus in the Old Testament is just incredible to me like you, you just see Jesus in everything like he is the way the truth and the life and it comes through in all these Bible stories which I find quite incredible mm. that yeah. like, like you say Joe like it's almost like a like with Daniel, some of the stuff that Daniel was doing in the last episode is very similar here. Like you almost can see Jesus in in what he does. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. shall we? Shall I read chapter four now? Do it, John. I would love you to read chapter four now. It's, don't get too excited but, though, because it's quite it's quite downer. But oh, okay. Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city now the lord god appointed a plant and made it come up over jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort so jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant but when dawn came up the next day god appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it weathered when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant, for which you did not labour, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Thank you, John. You're welcome, Joseph. Um, I was just looking in the NIV and the introduction to this book of Jonah, mm. and um, I find it interesting. It says... Jonah's role in the book is to represent the attitude of many in Israel towards other nations. Mm. Instead of accepting their own calling to help these nations come to know the true God, they considered them enemies and expected God to destroy them. The book teaches that God's love extends beyond Israel to other nations, indeed to the whole creation. God's final question to Jonah is intended for all the book's readers. Um, I think that's interesting. Mm. It's a kind of metaphor and I guess we can replace Israel with, I guess, our own names or mm. maybe our own churches or our own um, countries, whatever. I feel like it's speaking of an attitude of being against the idea of if you're not for me, then you're against me. And mm. how about, about how it's our role to try and tell people about God. Mm. instead of seeing them as something different and other and as an enemy. Mm, yeah, I just find that 
you know, like you say, the last, the last question, or the last kind of bit where it's like, you pitied the plant that you didn't actually care for. Mm. And then he kind of goes off and says, you know, um, and should not I, and why should I pity, why should I not pity Nineveh, this great city in which there are more than 120,000 people, um, who I love and care for, why should I not, you know, look after them? And like you say, you can almost put your, your own town or your own family name or whatever in that and say there's this many people that I should care for and look after and think about quite a powerful kind of end to it but I find the whole last last chapter just really interesting like I said before like the whole the way Jonah in a sense has suicidal thoughts in yeah. in as many words um, you know about about things like he's done what he feels he's called to do yet the outcome is not what he expected so in his head he he thinks he's not done a good job almost or it's almost like well I've done what I've done God you're not doing what you're doing but it's a horrible bitterness I think it is because basically God says I forgive them and they've pleased me mm. I'm not going to destroy them and Jonah's attitude is well that's all wrong and he's angry about it I just think yeah. I'm not saying I would have different thoughts if I was in his position but I also think just sounds like a horrible way to feel like he's gone to them and told them um of the danger of their ways and then he's upset when they don't get destroyed yeah but i think this is like where like the language of you know where christians in the past christians in quote marks say stuff like you must be judged or you know god will judge you or whatever i think that's where our language again is wrong because we think, oh, God says in the Bible that I will judge you, which is true. Like God's the only one who can judge. We can't judge people. But it's like where we we almost misinterpret what God means. So it's almost like Jonah's completely misunderstood what, what God wanted him to do in one aspect. So like the whole, yes, go to Nineveh, preach about who I am and bring them to know me. Um but almost misunderstood the whole thing about the judgment side of things. Like he thought judgment meant I'm going to knock you down and, and you know, kill you all kind of thing. When actually he probably meant the old is dead. You're now new in me kind of thing. I don't mm. know if that's theologically right in thinking, but um, I always think though, that's just so true of us as human beings. Like we always just expect what we want out of things rather than, and then we're always mad at God. Like, well, why is it that way? And it's like, well, that's obviously how God wanted it to be. We just always, like, when we're always, when I'm mad at God, I sometimes have to, like, check myself and be like, am I mad because it didn't go my way? Which is not yeah. often what it is. You know, when we get mad at God, we're not really mad at God, we're mad because things didn't go our way, because mm-hmm. we're the stubborn children that we are. Well, it's, that, it's like in the last chapter, how they were looking to blame anything but themselves, and we we often like to find whatever reason for failure that we can apart from looking at ourselves yeah this chapter always i find this just so obscure like a bit about the plant so he gets the plant and then the worm eats the plant and and so on and it's a bit like i remember when i first read this and i was just a bit like 
So God would give him something and then he would destroy it and then he would do, it just feels really contradictory, but I'm just looking at it with such earthly human eyes. I'm not, mm. and it's like John said, it's about God, when God gives you something, often we're so blind, we, we expect it to do everything for us. So Jonah, God provided the plant and Jonah expected that to sustain him the whole time, mm. not thinking that he needs to water it and do these things. It's like our humanly bodies, you know, we have Jesus, God gave us Jesus and Jesus did the thing for us where he died for us. But that doesn't just mean that that's it now. Mm. Like we still have to work at it. And that's that plant image gives me that, like I kind of see that in the same way, you know, we have to, we don't just get this awesome ride, you know, into to eternity. We are, we do have grace, we have forgiveness, but we also have to learn. We have, well, learn, <laughs> that's not a word. We also have to learn and we have to grow. We have to work our relationship with God. It's not just, we don't just get these things really easily. I was really confused about this, but when I was sitting listening to that being read, I just really got that image of, we have to really be aware of when God gives us something that we're taking care of it, mm-hmm. that we nurture it, that we water it, we prune it, we do whatever it needs to it. It's like when, it's like if you get gifted a child, like when you have a newborn child in your life, that's a blessing. You don't just say, God's going to take care of it and it's not feed him or her, not change her, not bath her and teach her to grow. It's the same thing, you know, with the things that God gives us in our jobs, our marriages. God doesn't just give us a marriage and it's going to be perfect. The people have to work at it. And mm. I think it te- can, this illustration can teach us a lot of things. Well, I think we've we've covered quite a lot in that. But what, have you got anything else to say? I found it notable <laughs> the very last like few words um, animals again. Mm. So he's talking about these. Well, I'm I've just flicked to the message translation again. So he says, "Why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than one hundred twenty thousand childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong, to say nothing of all the innocent animals." It's just really interesting mm. that he talks about animals sort of on a level with humans and sometimes mm. Mm. and the last couple of stories we've looked at have been quite animal focused obviously we've had Noah mm. lots of animals there <laughs> um, Daniel the lions and then now he's mentioned animals again and I think when they were dressing up in the sackcloth mm. they said to put it on the animals as well yeah he said the, be- the beast yeah beast. so beasts it's like they're just as important to him mm. again which I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just noticed it and thought that's mm. quite an interesting thing to drop in there. Because mm. doesn't yours say, does the ESV say cat, like cattle? It says much cattle, question mark. Yeah. But I think and the it's... UK says, and also many animals. Like it's just dropped on the end there. Like, yeah. I love all these people. And also the animals. <laughs> but it's, it's, the anoint, it's the appointing of animals as well. He appointed a big fish. Yeah. But then he's also appointed a worm... Yeah. He's a point. He's a, a plant. A plant. He's, he's, he's appointing yeah. things that aren't just. I mean, we look at almost mankind as the the lead thing, but actually, he's appointing in quote marks lesser beings mm-hmm. to to still do his work yeah. and to still do his his ministry, as it were, in a weird way. It's a kind of beautiful thing to think about, like you know, the appointments, the appointments of God. You know. I just immediately thought about when we went away, the four of us, we went camping and we went to Torquay for the day and it was really warm 
and we just wanted a little bit of shade and a little bit of sun and there was a <laughs> huge palm tree in that garden that we were just able to sit under like mm. that was appointed by God to give us what we needed which was shade and rest and a place to lie down and not be overwhelmed and get sunstroke you know it's just, I think sometimes we get so focused on us having dominion over the earth when we actually forget where that authority comes from. We're actually there there to be caretakers. Mm. The, the authority lies with God and often we take too much of that and I think that's something I've really learned um, as we begin like explore a lot more of eating vegetarian and trying to be more vegan and just ethically conscious and sustainable in general is about the appointment of God's like things on earth like animals and living beings are important to to god this is so evident we've seen them throughout you know he wanted to save everyone he uses them as part of his story um he uses them to protect he uses them to you know journey through the story so actually we need to consider those appointments and think about them in our lives and not just see them as they're for us and are for our gain they're for god's glory Mm, like i never I never want to think about, oh yeah, these animals are mine. They're mine to eat and mine to take or them mm. mine to wear. I just think that's just such a poor use of our time here on earth. They're given to us by God and how you use them is really important. I don't know how you guys kind of see that. Obviously you have been, veg- you are vegetarian and you've been so for a long time now. I don't know if that kind of fits in with a lot of yeah. your thinking. I think it's a uh, sort of, change in your mindset and your kind of culture and just thinking about things differently all these kind Mm -hmm. of things it's about evaluating your relationship with the planet and animals and the environment and just maybe rethinking the decisions and the choices that might come easily to you so how did this reading compare with your sunday school versions of jonah and the whale i think there's a bit more light and shade to it than i realized which sounds a bit clever. It's in the Bible. Clever. Light and oh, shade. Yeah, that's deliberate. I feel like I feel like there's more ups and downs than I maybe remember, which is funny mm. because obviously a simple telling there's there still are the ups and downs, but it's almost mm. like the simple version is Jonah runs away from God, then Jonah comes back to God and things are okay. Mm. But I feel like he hears from God and maybe that's a good moment because it's good when you hear from God because it gives you direction. Then there's the stormy stuff and that's bad. Then he gets saved by this fish and that's good. And then he gets vomited out, which is probably a bit horrible. And then he does the good stuff for God, but then he's not happy with the outcome. But then God speaks to him and teaches him this lesson and all that. I feel like there's lots of variety in what happens. There's more events than I realised and there's kind of sides to Jonah that I didn't realise were there, like his self selflessness in throwing himself off the ship to end the storm, but also his bitterness at the whole of Nineveh not being destroyed. Um, yeah, I guess it's more of a multifaceted story than I banked on bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the things that really struck me is actually how how many things we kind of miss and how many missed opportunities there are to teach children in this this story. We teach them, God spoke to Jonah, told him what to do. He ran away, swallowed by a whale, was in the belly of the whale, thrown out, went to Nineveh. But I feel like there's missed opportunities. Like, I would have loved to know more about, like, God's 
prophesy you know being a prophet that was Jonah was a prophet so what is that what do we believe in prophets what is a prophecy from God how do you know helping us understand those things then actually talking about discerning things from God then talking about sin and punishment and right and wrong and what happens with those things the parallels with Jesus that we discussed Mm. talking about the bit afterwards the prayer like the prayer is so beautiful like I don't recall ever being taught that like the prayer is really beautiful like it can be something that you can really reflect on and use yourself in your personal life like I know John loves that prayer and I feel like why don't we teach these children these prayers and to say you know this is somebody who struggled too this was someone who went through a difficulty and he's saying to God where are you like sometimes you may think where where are you God but you know he was there for Jonah and then obviously the after bit where Jonah gets angry again and we never talk about that we just think he went to Nineveh and did God's work and it was fine and happy. Mm. But he wasn't. He was angry with God. He they, they still had this tumultuous relationship. It wasn't a linear thing. It was this storm again. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, we just need to move into being a little, little bit more in depth. Yeah. Mm. So, John, is it still your favourite story? I think it's one of those ones that it's not really a Sunday school book anymore for me. Mm. Because I've related so much to it over my my life as a christian as a jesus follower it's become more of a uh, battle cry Mm -hmm. book for me more than a kid story so like i don't really remember the how i felt about about it before if that makes sense yeah um i just remember it just being this kind of really happy story of a about obeying god and about a man who needed to obey god so he had to be eaten by a fish but for me now it's so much bigger and it's like I say it speaks into so many things that we we need to focus on which is like mental health and prayer prophetic words prophetic images and all that so Mm -hmm. yeah still my still up there good you yeah I think the reason it's my favorite or one of my favorite stories is how relatable it is Mm. so first off you've got this guy who's been told what to do he knows what he needs to do but he just can't face it for whatever reason we talked about it earlier but like you said it could have been like linked to his mental health or something like that and sometimes we just get these tasks that are just too overwhelming Mm. even it's a small task and you might normally do it on a daily basis but suddenly you're just having a lot of anxiety or Mm. anything like that and it just becomes a bit too much and I just feel like it's really relatable to see that that's always been Mm. a problem (laughs) people have always done that and I'm sure a lot of us have shirked our responsibilities to God and to other people as well just you know knowing you have to do something or you should do something and you just can't face it but then what I also like is that it's not just like you said Joe it's not just like a or a bad thing happens and then he has faith and then a good thing happens it's like Mm. so many ups and downs so he does follow God eventually and do what he's been appointed but then he's still not quite happy. It's like there's not just, you know, sunshine after the storm. It's like uh-huh. this life still goes on. There's still ups and downs. Mm. Even after you've got through that tumultuous event mm. that you didn't want to do, life still goes on and you've got to deal with the next issue that arises. Well, thanks for that, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. See ya. Bye. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, I think it's been good to look at the text in the bible instead of 
um, a simplified version of it or a um, childhood version of it. I think it's been really interesting. We'd love to know what you think as well. Please find us on social media and send us a message. We'd love to hear if you disagree with us or you agree with us or something else stood out to you that we didn't comment on. We'd also love to give you a shout out. So far this series, we've shouted out Matt in Bognor Regis. And that's the end of the list because no one else has got in touch. <laughs> it's literally just the one listener. So. We have one listener. And <laughs> um, the others are our mums. So. <laughs> um, so get in touch with us, please. please. Um, <laughs> apart from that, give us a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're working on getting onto Google. Um, yeah. but it's actually incredibly complicated. So if anyone works for Google, um, yeah, basically. So join us next time. We are going to be looking at Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Not the carpenter, but the Egyptian guy. Or you. Or, or you. me. Who knows? Join in. Join in. You'll find out. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. This is so cheesy. Let's just say bye. 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 Did you press record? Where it